0: Chapter Six of the Quest of the Golden Pearl. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gloria Begaman, Somerville, South Carolina. The Quest of the Golden Pearl by John Robert Hutchinson chapter six in the thick of it either the lascar's wound had not proved as serious as jack surmised or the fellow was endowed with as many lives as a cat at all events he had reached land before them and in safety sharks and sea serpents fumed the captain stumping excitedly round and round the canoe the warrant had arter been sent to Davy Jones as I advised, HOWSOM bloodshed's best avoided, says you, Master Don lad, and so, shiver me kilsen, here we lies stranded. What's the course to be steered now? I axes, that's a matter o' argument, says you. So here's for a whiff a de fragrant. Bidding his servant fetch pipe and tobacco, the captain seated himself upon the canoe and fell to puffing meditatively. His companions, meanwhile, discussing the situation and a project of their own, with many anxious glances in the direction of the adjacent jungle, where— for anything they knew to the contrary, the Lascar might even then be stealthily watching their movements. "'Shiver me, Smokestack, do you see that now?' exclaimed the captain at last, following with half-closed eye and tarry finger the ascent of a perfect smoke-ring that had just left his lips. "'And what's a ring of tobacco-smoke?' says you." a forepinton to e'wence to come says i a ring means surrounded d'ye see and grape-shot and gun swabs surrounded means fightin', lads fun or fighting i'm ready anyhow cried jack flourishing his knife ay ay lad and me too for the matter of that replied the old sailor presenting his pipe at an imaginary foe like a pistol. But when our situation and forces is benounced to the enemy, we're sartin' to be surprised. Do you mind me? And so I gets an I.D. Go palter to lubbers and swabs, do you see? Bout danger and fear and the like. A tight little boat and good sea room give me and it ain't to a lethal all strike out with the idea then captain cried Don. shiver me cutlass lads we must carry the war into the camp o the enemy do you see weary good that bein so what we wants do you mind me is a safe tidy place to fall back on as can't be took or looted or burnt like the cutter here whiles we're away on the rampage so to say why not entrench ourselves on the hill just above suggested jack stow me sea-chest the weary identical plan i proposes promptly replied the captain and why you natterly axes because it's haunted says i because it's what cried the two young men in chorus haunted i the abode of spurts continued the captain there's a old ancient temple aloft on yon hill do you see as they calls the haunted pagodas which they say as it's a tiger witch or summat inhabits it do you see and shiver me binnacle if a native a go anigh it day or night admirable "'But what about the cutter, Captain?' said Don. "'The Captain sucked for a moment at his pipe, "'as if seeking to draw a suitable idea therefrom. "'What are the cutter, you axes?' said he presently. "'Why, we'll wrap her down the crick a bit, you see, "'and stow her away out of sight, "'where the vegetation, thickish like on the face of the cliff,' copper me bottom if we won't the stores of course must be carried up the hill said jack entering readily into the captain's plans we should set about the job at once alas there lad what's to perwent the jungle hereabouts a using of its eyes i axes the whale o night says you so when the whale o night unfurls "'As the pokes says, why, up the hill they goes.'" This being unanimously agreed to, and Puggles at that moment announcing breakfast, our trio of adventurers adjourned to the cutter. "'Captain,' said Don, after delighting the black boy's heart by a ravenous attack upon the eatables, "'like you, I've got an I.D. Hello, you, Pug!' "'What are you grinning at?' "'Not inside,' replied Puggles, clapping his hand over his mouth. "'Only when Marster plenty eating, he sometimes very often one I.D. getting. "'Plenty food go inside, he kick an idee out.' "'Just double-reef those lips of yours, Pug, "'and tell us where do your ideas come from?' said Jack, laughing." "'Me tinking him here, gotsar,' said Puggles, gravely patting his waistband, at which the old sailor nearly choked. "'And a pretty stock of them you have, too, judging by the size of your apple-cart,' said his master, shying a biscuit at his head. "'Well, as I was saying, Captain, I have an idea.' "'I'll flush my scuppers,' gasped. "'the old sailor, swallowing a brimming pannikin of coffee to clear his throat. "'Let's hear more of it then, lad. "'Well, it's this. "'Jack and I are going over to the town where the temples are. "'You understand? "'To see if we can't sight old Salombo. "'A bit of reconnoitering may be of use to us later, you see. a going over to the town!' roared the captain in amazement separating the words as though each were a reluctant step in the direction proposed scuttle my cutter lads ye'll have the whole pack o warments down on ye in a brace o shakes you won't say so when you see us in full war paint retorted jack as he and don rose and disappeared in the cuddy in the course of half an hour the cuddy door was thrown open and two stalwart young natives in full country dress confronted the old sailor with the assistance of puggles and the captain's boy not to mention soot from the cuddy-pots the two young fellows had cleverly made up in the guise of indian pilgrims at first sight of them the captain thinking old salombo's crew were upon him seized a musket and threw himself in an attitude of defence blow me he roared when a loud burst of laughter apprised him of his mistake if this ain't the purtiest go as ever i see scrapers and holy stones, ye might lay alongside the old woman himself lads and him not know ye from a regular genewine brace of lying niggers what tack are ye on now lads i axes off to the town captain replied don to search for old salombo among his idols that is if you'll let spotty here come with us as pilot spotty was the nickname with which they had dubbed the captain's black servant "'whose face was deeply pitted from smallpox. "'Right, lads, he's been here afore and knows the lay of the land, "'so take him in tow and welcome,' was the captain's hearty rejoinder, "'and stow your knives away amidships in case of an emergency like, "'though blow me if they ever take ye for aught but generine lying niggers.' concealing their knives about their persons in accordance with this advice they launched the lascar's Balam upon the creek which the captain assured them expanded a little further inland into a broad lagoon too deep to ford and so set out the paddle had been removed but as the creek appeared to have nowhere in its upper reaches at any rate a greater depth than half a dozen feet the boat hook served admirably as a substitute for propelling the canoe what's the line for spotty jack asked seeing their guide throw a coil of small rope into the canoe which he afterwards boarded in person and shoved off turkel sar replied spotty plenty time me catchin' big turkle asleep on sand. He no come in ballum, so me taking rope to tow him astern. Him berry nice soup makin' sar said Spotty, who had always an eye to anything. Little as they guessed it then, this line was to play a more unique and serviceable part in the day's adventure than that indicated by the soup-loving Spotty. The creek, as the captain had intimated, presently expanded into a lagoon fully a quarter of a mile wide, and so shallow in parts that the canoe almost touched the amber-coloured sands over which it passed. Arrived at the further side, they drew the canoe upon the beach, and continued their route to the town by way of a steep jungle path, which— in the course of some fifteen minutes hard climbing led them to the crest of the rocky ridge here they paused a moment to look about them to the left lay haunted pagoda hill on their right the colossal elephant rock and nestling at its base the native town with its sea of dun roofs and gleaming white temples the stirring ramp of tom-toms and the hoarse roar of the multitude floated up to them as they stood contemplating the scene now for it cried jack heading the descent we'll soon be in the thick of it anyhow a few minutes more and they stood on the outskirts of the town make for the chief temple spotty said dawn to their guide and whatever you do, don't call us sahib or sir. We're only pilgrims like yourself. You understand? And say, Spotty, do you know Old Salombo, the shark charmer? When you see him, by a nod, Spotty intimated that he did. Good. He's the chap we're after. You understand? Keep a sharp lookout, and if you happen to get your eye on him or on Alaskar with a knife wound in his shoulder put in jack just pull my cloth will you concluded don again the trusty spotty nodded and at a signal led the way into the main street where they immediately found themselves in the midst of a noisy surging crowd of natives so perfect was their disguise however that Don could not detect a single suspicious glance directed towards them. The natives who thronged the street were, to a man, heading for the temples. Into these, if nothing was seen of the shark-charmer outside, Don was resolved to penetrate. As no English foot is ever allowed, in southern India at least, TO CROSS THE THRESHOLD OF A HINDU SHRINE. THIS WAS A STEP ATTENDED WITH TREMENDOUS RISK. DETECTION WOULD MEAN FIGHTING FOR THEIR LIVES AGAINST OVERWHELMING ODDS. WE'LL DO IT, HOWEVER, SAID Don RESOLUTELY. THE TEMPLE'S THE PLACE TO LOOK FOR HIM, SINCE HE'S A PRIEST, AND IN THIS DISGUISE THE PEARLS ARE WORTH THE RISK. That this was also Jack's opinion was plain from the resolute, nonchalant manner in which he pressed forward. Owing to the congested state of the thoroughfare, progress was necessarily slow. They were more than an hour in gaining the open medan in which the street terminated. In the center of this open space lay a sacred tank, flanked, on that side nearest the Elephant Rock by a vast semicircle of temples. Midway in this line stood the chief temple. Here, if at all, the shark charmer would most likely be found. But to reach the chief temple was no easy task. Vast crowds of pilgrims surrounded the sacred tank awaiting their turn to bathe in its stagnant green waters. At last, after much elbowing and pushing, they reached the steps of the chief temple. Thus far, they had seen nothing of Salombo. As they had already made the entire circuit of the tank, there was nothing for it but to seek him in the sacred edifice itself. Spotty led the way, since for him— there was absolutely no risk. Following close upon his heels past the hideous stone monsters which flanked the entrance, the mock pilgrims found themselves in the temple court. Here the crush was even greater than without. They had now reached the crucial point of their adventure. A single unguarded word or action on their part and each man of these teeming thousands would instantly become a mortal enemy Don strove to appear unconcerned but his pulses throbbed madly at the mere thought of detection as for jack the careless poise of his right hand at his belt showed him to be on his guard though he looked as cool as a sea-breeze over the heads of the multitude on the opposite side of the court could be seen an inner shrine where offerings were being made selecting this as his goal don began to edge his way slowly but steadily towards it closely followed by spotty and the undaunted jack suddenly he felt a hand tugging at his cloth unable to turn himself about in the crush he twisted his head round and caught Spotty's eye. By a quick, almost imperceptible movement of hand and head, the black directed his attention towards the left. Looking in the direction thus indicated, Don saw, but a few yards away, the portly person of the shark charmer. By dint of persistent pushing, he presently succeeded in approaching so near to his man that, had he so wished, he could have laid a hand upon his shoulder. The shark-charmer was evidently bent upon gaining the inner shrine at the opposite side of the court. Inch by inch, he pummeled his way through the dense crowd, unconscious that the sahibs whom he had robbed were dogging his steps. Once when he turned his head his eyes actually rested upon Don's face, but he failed to recognize him and so went on again, greatly to Don's relief. Then of a sudden the limit of the crush was reached and they emerged upon a comparatively clear space immediately in front of the shrine. This THE SHARK-CHARMER CROSSED WITHOUT HESITATION, BUT DON HUNG BACK, UNCERTAIN WHETHER IT WOULD BE PRUDENT TO VENTURE FURTHER. HOWEVER, SEEING A GROUP OF NATIVES ABOUT TO APPROACH THE SHRINE WITH OFFERINGS, HE JOINED THEM, AND IN COMPANY WITH JACK, ASCENDED THE STEPS. THE SHARK-CHARMER HAD ALREADY DISAPPEARED WITHIN bumbling in his cloth for some small coin to present as an offering don crossed the threshold and was in the very act of penetrating the dimly lighted incense clouded chamber just beyond when a guarded exclamation from jack caused him to glance quickly over his shoulder following them with the stealthy tread of a panther "'was a swarthy, evil-looking native.' "'The Lascar,' said Jack, in a low, breathless whisper. "'Back, old fellow, for your life. "'Once in the crowd, we're safe.' "'Back they darted towards the entrance, "'but the Lascar, anticipating this maneuver, was on his guard. "'As Jack dashed past,' the cunning spy thrust out his foot and sent him sprawling on the flagstones don hearing the noise turned back to his friend's assistance and by the time jack regained his feet the lascar had reached the entrance mid raised the hue and cry this way cried don making for a narrow side door as the Lascar shouts began to echo through the precincts of the temple. Get your knife ready, he's raised the alarm. Through the door they dashed, only to find themselves in the court, hemmed in on every side. The frenzied cries of the Lascar continued to ring through the enclosure, but, fortunately for the mock pilgrims, so vast was the concourse of natives, and so deafening the uproar, that only those nearest the shrine understood his words, while even they failed, as yet to penetrate the clever disguise of the intruders. This gave them time to draw breath and look about them. Close, on their left, Jack's quick eye discovered an exit about which the crowd was less dense than elsewhere the great doors stood wide open disclosing a narrow street between this exit and the spot where they stood at bay a number of sacred bulls were quietly feeding off a great heap of corn which the devotees had poured out upon the flags of the court all this jack's eyes took in at a glance a roar terrific as that of ten thousand beasts of prey burst from the surging multitude the lascar's words were understood glancing quickly over his shoulder jack saw that this man from his place upon the steps of the shrine was pointing them out another instant and their disguise would avail them nothing THE MADDENED, FANATICAL CROWD WOULD BE UPON THEM. DON, HE SAID IN RAPID, HUSKY TONES, AS HE GRASPED HIS FRIEND'S HAND FOR WHAT HE BELIEVED TO BE THE LAST TIME. THERE'S BUT ONE CHANCE LEFT US, AND THAT'S A SLIM ONE. YOU SEE THE DOOR ON OUR LEFT, AND THOSE BULLS? DO YOU TAKE ONE OF THE TWO BIG FELLOWS, FEEDING SIDE BY SIDE, AND I'LL TAKE THE OTHER? Use your knife to guide the brute, and with God's help. A tremendous roar of voices and a thunderous rush of feet cut his words short. Now for it, old fellow! With one swift backward glance at the furious human wave sweeping down upon them, they darted towards the bulls, of which the two largest— accustomed to the daily tumult of town and temple were still composedly feeding their muzzles buried deep in the mound of corn before the animals had time to lift their heads the mock pilgrims were on their backs and plying knives and heels upon their sleek flanks bellowing with pain and terror the bulls with tails erect and heads lowered charged the throng about the doorway bowling them over in all directions like so many ninepins before the infuriated crowd in their rear understood the meaning of this unexpected manoeuvre the mock pilgrims were in the street it was a side street fortunately separated from the densely packed maidon by a high brick wall and but few natives were about those who followed them out of the temple too they soon distanced for their ungainly steeds made capital time but now a new if less serious danger menaced them apart from the difficulty of clinging to the round arched backs of the bulls once started the maddened animals could not be stopped fortunately they took the direction of the hill path on they tore bellowing madly and scattering showers of foam and sand right and left until in an amazingly brief space of time they reached the outskirts of the town here as if divining that their services were no longer required the bulls stopped abruptly "'shooting their riders off their backs "'into the sand with scant ceremony. "'Regular buck-jumpers!' groaned Jack, "'rubbing his lacerated shins ruefully. "'Glad we're safe out of it anyhow. "'So am I, but I wonder where Spotty is,' said Don, "'fanning himself with the loosened end of his turban. "'Jack started up. "'Never once thought of Spotty since we entered the shrine,' cried he. "'Come, we must go back and look him up.' Their uneasiness on Spotty's account, however, was at that instant set at rest by the precipitate appearance on the scene of Spotty himself. Seeing his masters charge the crowd on the bull's backs, he had extricated himself from the crush, and followed them with all possible speed. "'Day comin', sar!' he panted as he ran up. "'Lask our devil done fetchin' plenty, black man!' And there swelled up from the street below a tumult of voices that left no doubt as to the accuracy of his statement. End of Chapter 6